Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Our thoughts precede our feelings. When you want to shift, you don't try to change your feeling. You slow it down. You go back to being conscious. You notice your thought and then you start poking at that thought. And that's what we do with our private clients. How true is it? Um, Is there another variation of the reality? Is there a different perspective? Sometimes it's helpful to talk to a coach or a therapist or a friend when you actually believe that there's only one perspective and there's never one perspective. There's hundreds or thousands of perspectives. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. This is Karen McMahon, and I'm doing a solo episode today. And today's discussion is around the practice of letting go. It's something that uh, I and our team of coaches speak to clients about often, which is when we get upset, how do we uh, not get pulled down and uh, get crazy, lose our peace over things that happen? How do we let go and hold on to our peace? And it's a great question because I just had a client this morning say, you know, I keep hearing and reading this let go thing. How exactly do you let go? And so I thought today I would take a little bit of time to break it down. And so navigating the season of divorce gives us so many opportunities to notice how we deal with upset. And uh, we're number one, the, the entire season is a season that has a lot of fear, pain, heartbreak, uncertainty in it. And so that's very triggering. And that can cause us to have very sticky thoughts about things. And then there is being triggered by an event. And an event can be something um, 
that happened, uh, an argument with you and your soon to be ex or anything, a conversation with your attorney, finding out about something with the court or the mediation. So plenty of triggering events that can cause upset. And then there is the memory of the event or the thought of the event. Uh, And so that can be that ongoing upset that lasts a really long time. The work that I'm talking about today, the practice of letting go, is an opportunity to use every upset as a setup to do some personal work and gain more agency over how you behave when you're upset. And so I'll say this in the front end and on the back end. When when I started this work, I could be a, a reactive hot mess for days, weeks, maybe even months. And the more we become conscious of our behavior, our thought behavior, and our reactivity, the more we become conscious of it, the more we have an opportunity to begin to manage it. And as we become conscious of it, noticing and manage it, uh, we stay in that triggered state for a shorter period of time and our trigger or our triggered reaction is less powerful. And so the way that you know that you're progressing is to be able to take a look at yourself over time and see that what used to upset you where you'd go from zero to a hundred, now you don't need the you either don't go from zero to hundred, you go from zero to 20 um, and you would stay there for a long time. And now you don't stay there as long. And so what I, that's what I want to talk about today. How do you get from feeling like you're very reactive and out of control, which is where I was when I started and move to a place that no matter who does something or what happens that you have more agency over your reactions. And so there's the season of the fear, the upset, the heartbreak, there's the triggering event, and then there's the memories or the thoughts around the triggering event. All of these things can be very sticky and keep you uh, in dis-ease, keep you in a place of frustration, anger, uh, emotional energy that does not serve you, that is depleting. So let's take a look at what we do. The first thing, let's let's say there is uh, an event, a triggering event. There's a conversation with your soon-to-be ex or your co-parent, and you have an immediate reaction. And that makes sense. You're, you, you were expecting something or you were hoping for something. You're disappointed. You're frustrated. That initial reaction, that initial reaction that you have is coming from the event, maybe before it even crosses your rational mind. So it's not the thought. It's like event emotional reaction. That's the initial thing. And oftentimes, What happens in that is we're in resistance. It might sound like, I can't believe you did that thing. Uh, You shouldn't behave that way. I am in resistance of what is. The court shouldn't have accepted his or her excuse and delayed the, the conference. 
when we're in resistance, and that's where many of us begin. So, so we have a reaction and we're in resistance. It should not be this way. That person should not say or do that thing. We have very little access to problem solving and creativity uh, because we're not even accepting that it's happening or it's being done and it shouldn't be. So the first thing that we need to do is when we're in resistance, we're much more likely to ruminate over and over and over again, like get on that hamster wheel of ruminating where you just replay the story. You tell the story to your friends. You think about it. You argue in your head about it. When we step into acceptance, um, which is it happened anyway, she shouldn't have done that thing. She did do it. The court, the court uh, shouldn't have post. They did postpone it. So now we're in. Okay, it happened. What do I do about it? It happened. That person behaves that way. My financial situation is what it is. What do I do about it? Simply moving from resistance to acceptance opens up the door to creative thinking. It enables us to move up um, our emotionally energetic field so that we have, so that we see more possibility. So when we're in acceptance, we can problem solve. Now, there may be something that happened where there's no problem to solve. My client this morning had that happen where he just happened to be in the path of some angry people who did some uh, annoying, assaulting kind of behavior, verbal behavior, there was there was nothing for him to resolve. Uh, but what was interesting was how long it was staying with him after he drove away. And so you may have still in resistance of what happened and how they could do that. And that's ridiculous and this kind of a thing. So even if you don't have a, a, a problem to resolve, stepping into acceptance in his particular case would have been sounded like, well, there were a couple of angry people. They were very reactive. I just happened to be in that place at that time, wrong place, wrong time. Can I put it behind me and get on with my day? And that's how we began to talk about why is letting go so incredibly hard? What he found himself doing was ruminating about what happened and how annoying it was and maybe even questioning why would they do that? What was wrong with them? All of this energy that's doing what now? Now it's not the event that's upsetting and triggering. Now it's the replaying of the, the event. It's the replaying of the story that's triggering and utterly unproductive and taking energy away from something that would be more productive. And so when something happens, we have an initial reaction and then we're either going to stay in resistance and ruminate, or we're going to move into acceptance where we at least have the opportunity to problem solve. Let's take a look at the resistance first. When we're resistant, we ruminate and that ruminating and everyone listening knows what it sounds like. We've all been there. We've all done it. And we're very much not present in the moment because in our head, we're replaying or arguing or analyzing or worrying about this thing that happened. And 
how long do you do that for? So that's the first thing you want to notice. And everything I'm going to talk about from this point forward is part of the practice. How you go from being like that to having more agency is first and foremost um, the practice of awareness, which we often call noticing. And so we so often are focusing on the displeasing people, the, the displeasing event that we're looking outside of ourselves. And so we're oblivious to what's going on with us. And how could I be at fault? In divorce, we'll tell you divorce is painful. The suffering is caused by us. And so the pain is there and it makes sense. But when you ruminate, when you when you focus on things you have no control over, when you replay things over and over again, now you're in suffering and that is yours to own. That is your responsibility to change. And the way you change that is by becoming a more conscious individual, more conscious of your part in your daily life and the things that um that are impacting you and causing you to be upset. So first start noticing when an upsetting event happens, how long do I stay upset? And I would say we wanna be looking at small things at first. So there are many upsetting events in the world right now, uh, heartbreaking, devastating wars, gun, gunnings in elementary schools, things like that. We're going to put that aside. Those those are big things. Um, you know, loved ones get sick and pass away. Those those are the bigger issues. Start with the little ones. If you're going through a divorce, start looking every day. What are the little things that trigger me and upset me? And let me practice with those. How long do I stay upset for? Whose responsibility is it? We often want to say, well, it's his or hers. They're the one who pissed me off, who triggered me, who did the thing they shouldn't have done. No, no, it's yours. Um, and this is a boundary thing. And I'll just throw this in. Nobody makes you feel and nobody makes you do. And so if you're feeling something, take a step back and figure out what you're feeling um, and where it's coming from. And there's going to be a story two, which we're going to get to, there's going to be a thought. And so you're responsible. The event happens. You have an initial reaction. Fine. That reaction continues to go on. Now it's your responsibility. And I want you to look at your thoughts. And the reason is we react to an event. And then after that, clients say all the time, I don't know how to be less angry. I am always so frustrated. I, how do I change my feelings? And, and we have to go, we have to go to what precedes the feeling. And so after the initial event, what precedes the feeling is the thought. And the first thing, and this was a really interesting conversation I had this morning is the first thing is, can you tell the difference between your thoughts and your feelings? It may sound simple, uh, but oftentimes there is a lot of confusion. A lot of people think their feelings are their thoughts um, or their thoughts are their feelings. And so I learned this little tip a long time ago. Uh, and so I'm going to share it with you, which is if you can say, I feel blank, it's a feeling. It's an emotion. I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel disappointed. I feel elated. I feel excited. 
those are feelings. If when you're describing your feeling, you put a word between feel and what you think the feeling word is, it's a thought. So for instance, I feel like you don't love me. That's a thought. That's not a feeling. I feel like uh, this settlement is unfair. That's a thought. That's not a feeling. I feel it's completely wrong for you to blank. Not a thought. It's a feeling. If you can't say I feel and then the word, it's a thought, not a feeling. Going through a divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. Those of you and May of you, many of you may feel like I know this. There's a lot of you listening who will find this really helpful. And so start delineating your thoughts from your feelings. Your thoughts precede your feelings. And here's the key. And this is like foundational for the work that we do. Your thought is hardwired into your feeling. If I'm thinking that somebody thinks less of me, that they think I'm a fool, that they think I'm stupid, that they think I'm um, unworthy, then and 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 I my my thoughts are that that's what the person thinks about me. I'm going to feel badly. I'm going to feel disrespected. I'm going to feel demeaned. If I think, on the other hand, that um, if, on the other hand, I think that uh, the situation I'm in is let's say another thought is the situation I'm in is it's, it's horrendous and it's, it's going to devastate me and, uh, and it's going to leave me broke. I'm going to be really, I'm going to really struggle. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to feel hopeless. I'm going to feel helpless. If I look at the same situation and I say, this is really difficult and it's going to be a challenge to get through, but 
I think that I can get through it. I think that I can summon the resources of the support to get through it. I, I'm, I'm not going to be elated, but I'm going to have more hope and more encouragement. If I'm driving down the road one day and uh, it's a sunny day and everything's fine and my day has gone fine, I said goodbye to my kids and I'm on my way to work. I am in a pretty decent mood, but all of a sudden I start thinking about a conversation I had two days ago with um, with my co-parent and I start getting aggravated and I start thinking about what he said and, and what that means and what he's going to do and how it's not what I want. And now I'm my because of my thoughts, I just went from being happy to being aggravated. Our thoughts precede our feelings. When you want to shift, you don't try to change your feeling. You slow it down. You go back to being conscious. You notice your thought and then you start poking at that thought. And that's what we do with our private clients. How true is it? Um, is there another variation of the reality? Is there a different perspective? Sometimes it's helpful to talk to a coach or a therapist or a friend when you actually believe that there's only one perspective and there's never one perspective, there's hundreds or thousands of perspectives. And so if you're stuck on only seeing your perspective, that's a place where there's a lot of work that you can do, where you can stretch yourself. And so the difference between thoughts and feelings is critical. Once you understand what a thought is and that the thought is what's preceding the feeling, you shift that perspective and you will shift that emotion. Now, when you're doing this work and you're just starting out, you may have to go through that practice dozens of times, even in a day. It's kind of like we we accept and, and we shift our thoughts and then all of a sudden we're back in resistance and we're back in ruminating. That's OK. It's actually part of the practice. And then you notice you notice you're back in resistance. You notice you're back in ruminating. You notice the thought and you shift it again. And we'll talk about how you do that. Uh, and so with resistance comes ruminating. When you notice and are clear on the thought that's preceding the feeling, you keep going back to that thought, that ruminating thought, and you poke at it until you find a better perspective, a perspective that serves you better, not like a... Uh, you know, life is a bowl of cherries perspective, something. So, so the example earlier, I'm going to be devastated by the situation. I am going to be challenged by it, but I believe I can get through. I believe I can have support. That little bit of a shift eases the upset. It also gives you an opportunity to then start problem solving in that direction. When we're in problem solving mode, we're actively engaged in changing our situation or improving our situation. And so that gives us agency too. And so now I have agency over my thoughts and my feelings, and I have agency over my actions. I'm becoming calmer and more regulated and I'm getting clearer. Once we accept and we do the, the problem solving, we're immediately on a higher energy level. We're immediately um, in a place where we feel a little bit more hopeful because there's something to work on. I see the possibility of a solution. Let me start working on it. Let me see if that would work for me. And so it becomes this dance. And so what I want to say is 
this is a lifelong practice. This is a lifelong practice. When you start on the small stuff and then you're like, I got this, I got this. Okay. So it's raining out. I don't have to be miserable about it. I can shift my thoughts. I can, wow, I'm actually starting to get good at this. And the way, you know, you're getting good at it is what used to trigger you a lot triggers you less. And when you used to be triggered for a longer period of time, you're triggered for a shorter period of time. And so there's actually, actually a metric that you can follow, uh, um, however many years, a decade and a half into doing this work. And given that I'm over 60, I started late. Uh, I am significantly less triggered for a really short period of time. It's almost like a trampoline. I can kind of, I can plummet into my, my emotional reaction and then bounce back to something that serves me better. The bigger the thing still the longer it takes me. And sometimes there's a saying in 12-step programs, if it's hysterical, it's historical. And so I recently lost my mom and a number of things happened. And I found myself um, uh, uh, an old version of myself, a version that I didn't like very much. And I was reactive and I was upset and it lasted a long period of time. It was a big thing. And so I had to engage in this practice and start noticing and what are my thoughts and what am I resisting and um, what can I shift to and how long do I stay there before I have to do it again? And we all do this and it's fine. It's like building any muscle. You want to play the piano. You've practiced for a lot of hours. You want to, you want to be good at a sport or a technology you practice. This is agency over your life. If ever there were anything that you want to practice, you want to practice, um, the, uh, the skill of letting go. And so, Again, you the way you let go is you notice your thought, you find your thought, you notice it, you shift it to something that serves you better. You feel your emotional shift right upward to something lighter. And then you stay there as long as you can. And when you find you're back in reaction, you do it again. And um, and the more you do it, the quicker you let go and when we let go of the things that upset us, uh, we get to live in more peace and joy. And who doesn't want that? And so the dance is I notice, I accept, I solve, I surrender, right? Let go. And then I notice I'm back there. I accept, I solve, or if I've already solved, I surrender and that's the dance. You notice, you accept, you solve your problem solving and you surrender. Uh, and again, what you're looking for are what of my, what are my signs of progress? And they are um, how deeply I am triggered, how long I stay triggered, how quickly I can regulate, recalibrate, how long I can stay there. And so for those of you who um, are finding yourself just really triggered and reactive in this season of divorce, it's normal. It makes sense when you can stop looking outside of yourself at the person or circumstances and blaming them where you have no agency and choose 
to take on this practice of letting go, this practice of noticing, shifting and letting go, even through your divorce and certainly through your post-divorce co-parenting with your ex, you can lead a significantly more peaceful and joyful life. And that is what I wish for you. If you're in our Facebook group, by all means, feel free to pop in a comment or a question. Would love to consider continue this conversation there. And until our next team talk, you guys take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.